Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. We've turned a calendar to February, and when you do that, you realize that baseball is in the air. We will be uh, doing spring training here before a long race fan fest, of course, coming up February 17th at Tropicana Field. And there is nothing uh, that says baseball more than hearing the sounds of Andy Freed, the race play-by-play guy, for 20 years now. The time has really flown, and of course, he has been part of all the important calls. Uh, I think since he got here in 2005, that's when the Rays really started to get good. Of course, we're in the World Series just three years later. Um, So always a treat to talk to Andy before the start of the season about this Rays team which is a young ball club. They've got a lot of young stars that they are going to uh, give opportunities to. And it's really kind of uh, reminiscent of 2018 uh, when they uh, remade their roster then and uh, let the kids play. And I think that's sort of what we're going to see this season as well. So a real treat, get to talk to Andy Freed, the race play-by-play man, in just a minute. But first, you know, for the past 14 years, the skilled pros of May Electric Solar have been installing solar energy systems in Florida. They provide the most reliable solar equipment, the best installation methods and service, while helping homeowners cut energy costs with an environmentally friendly investment. May Electric Solar uses their own skilled employees, never subcontractors, and they've always offered the safest and most reliable equipment. Well, now May Electric Solar offers a 30-year no-cost equipment replacement and labor warranty. That means for 30 years, May Electric Solar, backed by Solar Insure, means that your roof, electrical, and equipment replacement is all covered. Solar Insure even survives May Electric Solar and is owned by the homeowner with no deductibles or additional fees. Now, this policy will transfer to new homeowners with no fee. This is not a blanket insurance policy. In fact, only the best contractors are allowed to be part of its program. May Electric Solar's reputation and their history of workmanship has earned them this membership. To learn more about May Electric Solar's installation and their 30-year warranty, Call 727-819-2862 or visit mayelectricsolar.com. Okay, special treat. Uh, first of all, when it, when it feels like baseball season, that means the Rays are around the corner. We got Fan Fest coming up on February 17th, but more importantly, we get to talk to this man, Andy Freed, who is the voice of the Rays since 2005. You're, what, 20th season now, Andy? And I was thinking about this. An entire generation now of Rays fans only know you as raised baseball. I think it's terrific. That is weird. And uh, <laughs> it's funny how, how time went. You know, when, when I was growing up, I, I, uh, the first people I listened to with the Orioles were Chuck Thompson and Bill O'Donnell. They were the voices mm-hmm. of the Orioles seemingly forever. And, uh, and one day I just looked up to see, gosh, how long were they together? And it was 16 years. Oh, wow. And to think uh, Dave and I were there for 18 years, and now right. this will be my 20th. And it's just... As you know, Rick, as you as you get older, time seems to go faster, and it, it is hard to believe of how fast two decades has gone by. Yeah, but kind of neat that you're now, like I said, associated as, as you were a kid, and you heard these great broadcasters, of course, uh, growing up Orioles fan and all of that, that uh, that's that's the sound of summer for so many of, of, of people now in Tampa Bay. And I don't take it lightly. I, it's an incredible honor, and especially because baseball – is such an everyday thing. And I know mm-hmm. that we have listeners that 
that listen on an everyday basis. I mean, I, I never expect that, uh, well, I never expect that anyone is listening for that matter, but um, uh, there are certainly a segment of the audience that listens on a daily basis and it blows my mind and uh, it, it is so appreciated, I can't tell you. And I, I think of it as a complete privilege to be the link on radio between the Rays and and the fans. And, you know, what? when 2020 happened, I'll never forget the letters that Dave and I would get from throughout the year and, and throughout late in the year and into postseason and through postseason of, of people that it really seemed to matter to them. And, you know, I, I never think of it that way. I just think that we're going in and we're going to talk about a baseball game. We're going to have fun and hopefully do a good job and, and put the people in the ballpark that aren't actually in the ballpark and you know, make it sound as real as possible. And uh, the fact that it seems like that's that's happened now for coming up on the 20th season, it really is hard to believe. And, you know, what? when when Dave and I got here, we were fortunate in the sense that the, the Devil Rays really didn't have much of a history in terms of years and in terms of success. Mm-hmm. So it was almost like a, a redo. You know, Paul and Charlie were here before us from yeah. 1998 through 2004, uh, and I've gotten to know both of them. And it's it's gosh, they were so deprived of anything successful for this franchise. They had the first pitch, <laughs> the first game. They had Wade Boggs' home run, and that's about it. <laughs> I mean, there was like no other great moment. So yeah. fortunately, Dave and I were here from when things started to get good, and and somehow we seem to be a, a associated with that, which is just such such a dream come true. Well, many, many great moments that uh, you have called with Dave and others and, and uh, many more to come. We certainly hope so. I, I've always been curious about this uh, from, from the standpoint of what you do, uh, you know, w- with the team all year long in spring training all the way through. And it's a long season. And, and yet I, I, when, I, when I played 100 years ago, there's a part of spring, especially in Florida, where it starts to warm up a little. It's not warm right now as we talk, but I don't know. Do you do you sense? Do you get the, the, this baseball clock that says, "Yeah, it's uh, it's almost that time." You get that those little twitches. Come New Year's, you, New Year's is, is every it? year, whether I'm trying to or not, I start to get an itch, uh, <laughs> and and that itch uh, doesn't get scratched for quite a while because there's still two months to go. But you know, the, right. the baseball calendar does go year round in a sense, but only when the games really start does it start to get yeah. really exciting. You know, we've got Fan Fest coming up, and we've got. Yeah our countdown to opening day shows. So we're talking about it, talking about it, but it's all a prelude to being around it. And, and baseball again is not like the other sports in, in so many ways. And it really is a lifestyle. You know, once, mm-hmm. once the season starts, there's a sign that goes up in our kitchen in our house that says we interrupt this family for baseball season. Mm-hmm. And that it's exactly what does happen. And you know, I'm so appreciative of the fact that the Rays, uh, give us time to be, you know, husbands and fathers and get a chance to be the dad mm-hmm. that takes my kid to, uh, to this practice or that event. And cause I'm not, not all the other dads get a chance to do that for five months straight. So it's almost like a reverse teacher schedule. We yeah. work constantly. And then the transition time to me, the difficult one, Rick is after the season, because I'm so hyped up for the year. You know, it's not like a once a week thing. Uh, it's an everyday thing. I get just as hyped up for game 78 as I do for game one. And it's a lot of energy. And then when it ends and you you come back to the family, it's like 
gosh, it's culture shock again. Dave used to have a great line when, when he'd say, I just want to come home and merge into traffic. And that's, <laughs> it was a great line because that's exactly what it is. You know, it used to be where I'd come home and, all right, we're going to do this this way. And, and uh-huh. uh, now uh, I'm making dinner and, and then it's like clunky. I forget that the other four people plus the dog in our house have been doing it since uh, <laughs> February a certain way. And I come clanking in there in October uh, or hopefully November one year. And yeah. uh, and try to do it a different way. So it it really is a lifestyle, and it's not just for me. It's for the uh, it's for the people I live with because it uh, it does throw a monkey wrench into things. It does get in where you can fit in. Well, uh, listen, I mean, last year we'll start there because we got, of course, two thousand and twenty four to look forward to here coming up in just a little bit. But I but I did want to uh, kind of revisit. I mean, for the first listen to start with, um, this. This franchise now is on quite a, a, a postseason streak. Unfortunately, um, they've lost seven games in those postseasons of, of late. But nonetheless, uh, the Rays have established themselves as one of the great stories in baseball and one of the most consistent winningest franchises, which is really saying something in a sport that is, you know, ha- has varied economics to say the very least. But they won 99 games, and you had that incredible streak to start the season. Um, and then, of course, overcoming just a ton of injuries, and yet, uh, still managing to make the playoffs and 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 we can get to the to the Rangers and how how good they turned out to be uh, but uh, just in general like when you look back at last season uh, there were some ebbs and flows certainly but it, it had it, I, I was as entertained as as many a race season has been I, I thought this was one of the more entertaining seasons that I've watched it was one of the more dramatic seasons I know I've ever been around. To start 13-0 and 0 was just ridiculous. I mean, that just does not happen. Mm. I remember the Braves starting whatever it was. They, were they 13-0 or whatever it was uh, in 1982? I remember the Brewers start, which I also think was 13-0, and 0, something about that 14th game. Uh, and that was in 1987. Uh, and and you know, the Braves just sneaked into the playoffs that year at the end. And then the yeah. Brewers in 87 didn't even make the postseason and they only won 90 games. So right. 13 and 0 didn't clinch anything, but it, it allowed the team to withstand a rough spell, which didn't come until July. The mm. team kept a really strong momentum, April, May, June and July, the wheels fell off. Uh, and it's hard to figure out why that happens in baseball. They were on a pace for about 110 wins for a long time. Uh, and then when it looked like they'd never get it back, they started to win a little bit in August. Then the Wander thing happens, and you're minus arguably your best players, certainly one of your best players. And then from Wander's dismissal, or whatever the, the term is, the team still won two-thirds of their games to right. get to the end of the year. So it's easy to say that, Oh, it was just 13 and 0. No, that's not right. They kept on winning. Well, I went the same after one. Well, they went, it was like 40 and 20 or something like that uh, after the after their great shortstop wasn't with the group anymore. So they kept the momentum and got to 99 wins, which is the second highest total ever for this franchise, and had everything going right. And then it was gone in two days. And that, that was, <laughs> that was as, that was, uh, uh, we're to wrapping up game two. After we lose to the Rangers, and I remember turning to Neil and saying, worst postseason ever. I mean, there was no moment in either of those two Mm. games that's memorable. And it's just the way it goes. It's not always the best team that wins. It's just the hottest team. That that's so true. And 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 I think the disappointing thing was at no time in those two games did you feel like that the Rays played their type of baseball, right? They they just didn't 
put it together defensively, offensively, get the big hit, like make the big pitch. None of those things. None of those things. And not only that, they played their worst game of the season was game one of mm-hmm. the wild card series. They made four errors. That's mm-hmm. close to a franchise record for errors in a game. I think the record's five without looking it up. They played their absolute worst game of the year. You know, and Glasnell gets tagged with the loss. And I've heard people say after he was traded, well, he didn't pitch well in postseason. But that's not really true. If the defense does their normal defense, Tyler probably gets through at least six innings. Mm-hmm. Uh, and th- they made four errors. I mean, routine plays that they botched. Now, on top of that, they scored one run in two games. So that's... True. He might have gotten the loss anyway. You can't win if you don't score. But they played so poorly defensively that it was hard to stomach. It really was. I, I remember going into one break during game two when it was four to nothing, and I, I just couldn't hold my tongue. And I said, this stinks. And, you know, mm. what a letdown. <laughs> you know, yeah. it was such a such a good year for so many reasons. And then uh, it went from so sweet to so bitter so fast. And that that series, I mean, you know, it's it is not the best of seven. I mean, you you have to start fast, um, or that exactly same that exact thing can happen to you in in a short series like that. And the Rangers came limping in, you know, to yeah. postseason. They 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 had blown their division lead, right? And uh, and all they had to do was win their last game of the year against Seattle. And they win the division. They they lose it and get shut out. That same Rangers team that would hardly lose the rest of the month lost that last game, and I believe lost that series in Seattle. They have to fly cross-country. I thought this is the matchup that would be best for the Rays. Mm-hmm. Uh, I felt very good about the Rays pitching. I thought that they could probably scratch out enough runs against uh, Jordan Montgomery and uh, Nathan Avaldi and could win a couple of close games. None of that happened. The Rangers appeared. They played some of their best baseball of the entire season, and the Rays played two of their worst games. And it is over so fast, and it's such cold water to the face. It really is like you you show up for something and somebody slams a door in your face, and there was nothing, there was no other reason. You you can say, oh, the umpire blew a call here, or oh, we didn't get a lucky break here. The Rays were did didn't do any of any favors for themselves, and the Rangers just played two clean games and. It was almost like the Rays didn't show up, and that was such a disappointing end to such a 99-win sweet season. And yet somehow the Rangers took that little bit of momentum and carried it all the way through the playoffs. I mean, they, they did not stop with the, with the Rays and did most of it on the road. And in July, the Rays went to Texas, and, uh, and the Rangers swept that series. And at the time, they were the top two teams in the American League. The Rays were best in the East, and the Rangers were best in the West, and the Rays still played better than that the rest of the year And in two games. It's just gone so far. I mean, Rick, you know what it's like to 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 be the favorite. In a, I don't even know if the Rays were the favorite, but it, it, at least in a one-game thing for, for the Bucks or whoever you, you happen to be covering at the moment, the league in the NFL, I mean, it's, it's over so fast. And, it, I mean, I'm looking at – and I talk football with you because I know that's that's your main gig. I what the Ravens did was the same kind of thing. They, it was. I, I watched that game and it reminded me of the Rays. I'm like, they just mm-hmm. stepped all over themselves. They didn't, didn't deserve show up. to win that game. Yeah. They didn't, and neither did the Rays. They just didn't play well. Yeah, it's a pretty good parallel, actually. A lot of expectations at MVP, and uh, they didn't play their game. And and you you've got to show up when it matters. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. 
From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Well, this will be uh, uh, another interesting year, as they all have been for the Rays, but there are some guys that will be missing that we have gone grown accustomed to. And when you, you mentioned Tyler Glass now, um, you also got to talk about Manuel Margot and Kittrich and Luke Rayleigh, who I thought had turned into the Paul Bunyan of the Rays. I, I mean, this guy started hitting bombs and, and really didn't stop in some big, big moments. Um, so they will be missed. We'll talk about how they plan to replace them. But um, those are all guys that had big moments for the Rays. They absolutely did. I mean, Glass now, that, that will go down as one of the top two trades probably that the oh Rays uh, have ever made. I think the one, uh, Delman Young for Bartlett and Garza back before 08, mm-hmm. uh, was certainly on par, if not even more impactful than the Rays getting Boz and Glass now and Meadows for Archer was just such a success of a trade, so much so that I think it helped create this narrative. And I think it's a false narrative around the league, uh, but it has taken on a life of of itself about, oh, don't trade with a race. They'll fleece you. That's not what it's about at all. I don't think teams, honestly, I don't think teams and general managers go in wanting to fleece other teams. I think they, they embrace more of the, you got to give up something to get something because mm-hmm. why would a team ever deal with you if that's all you're doing? But, uh, I, I think that's really a false narrative, but that's one of those ones that helped create it because the Rays won that trade so overwhelmingly, uh, and Glassnell was such a, a key part. And he's just he's one of those quirky guys that seemed to fit into the Rays culture. And um, you know, when healthy, he's he was great, and I wish him all the best. But you know what you said there, Rick, a couple minutes ago, there will be new faces and mm-hmm. and some changes for the Rays. That's that's the way it is uh, for the Rays. That you could cut and paste that and put it into a podcast yeah. uh, a year from now when when hopefully we'll do this again it's just and, and it's not just i tell my son this all the time it's not just the rays that make trades uh and have to sometimes lose popular players it happens all around the league there are guys sure. really good players right now that aren't signed you know blake snell's not signed jordan montgomery's not signed uh and those are the two top lefties i thought might have gone uh right after the otani signing i thought they would be right at the top of the list but it's just the nature of the Rays. I wish Glass now well. And Margot, I think Margot had fallen off. And I don't I don't know if it's because of the knee injury that he suffered in June of, of 22, but he didn't seem to be the same player after that. And I don't pretend to know why, mm-hmm. but there was a time in 22 that uh, he was really carrying the team offensively. Those first three months of the 22 season, they would have been lost without Margot. Timely hits, late in games, grand slams, great plays. He blows out the knee and came back, and he just didn't seem to have that same oomph at the plate. And it looked to me, and I don't have anything to base this on, but just totally the eye test that he wasn't getting the same jumps in the outfield and he wasn't covering as much ground. I I didn't talk to anybody about that, but to me, he wasn't getting the balls that I thought he was getting to prior to that. So he didn't seem to be the same player. Uh, And this kid, DeLuca, that the Rays got along with Ryan Pepio, those are going to be... Guys that are plugged right in, major league ready players, guys that uh, there's nothing left for them to prove in the minor leagues. You know, Pepe is going to go right into the rotation. DeLuca is going to take uh, Margot's spot in, in many ways, a right hand hitting outfielder that's probably better defensively now than Margot was. So that's just one of those trades where, okay, you're, you're getting players that you don't know, 
Mm. But that's happened so many times over the years for the Rays that you get a player that doesn't really have name value, and lo and behold, they earn their name value. Yeah, no doubt. And I think you're right. I think it showed up defensively first with Margot. I would agree with you on that. Maybe a, a couple of years ago, we could say the same for two guys that I thought had in, interesting sort of breakout years. Uh, look, they've, they've been up before, but Jose Siri and Josh Lowe, those two guys became pretty prominent bats. Obviously, we know what Siri can do in the outfield when you talk about uh, the center field position and, and you know, losing Kevin Kiermeyer. So, um do they pick up from where they were? I mean, I, I I thought they made tremendous progress, both of them. They did, and I, I think, to me, the, the Rays, the, the one thing I'm excited about most, I think, this offseason is that I believe they've improved defensively, and they, they've got to. They've got – the Rays, yeah. I don't think, can be successful if they're just a good defense. I think the Rays have to be successful – uh, by having a great defense, and I think they might. From what I've heard about DeLuca, I, I think he sounds like he's fast and he's a really good outfielder, and Siri is a tremendous center fielder as well. And Lowe is is a good outfielder, but it's funny, you were talking about Rayleigh earlier. A year mm-hmm. ago at this time, we were saying, oh, they didn't go out and get the left-handed bat that they wanted. They didn't get Brandon Belt. They didn't get uh, Ballinger, this guy or that guy. Turns out the two guys they had from inside ended up being outstanding in Rayleigh and Lowe. Now, Lowe is the guy that's the number one pick for the franchise and a guy that has probably a longer upside than Rayleigh. Rayleigh had a great year, don't get me wrong, but I think because of Lowe's success, they they know they needed a, a defensive shortstop, so they got Caballero and had to give up Rayleigh to get him. So my point is, if Lowe hadn't succeeded so well, they might have been more reticent to trade Rayleigh, but the fact that Josh did, it looks like he will be there every day out there in right field, makes you think that, okay, they can probably trade Rayleigh and they still have other left-handed bats like Aranda and Brandon Lau, uh, among others. Uh, So you do have to give up something to get some. I hated to see Rayleigh go, but they need some some redundancy at shortstop right now. You know, if Wander's out and if uh, Walls is out for some time, maybe what, mid-May with the hip injury, they need somebody to play shortstop. They're almost devoid of shortstops. So they had to get a guy like Caballero who is supposed to be plus defensively as well. I sure hope so. We're probably still a little ways. We saw uh junior uh, coming arrow last year uh, probably won't start in the major leagues this year. Right. I mean, he was kind of a uh, pickup, I think from double a. Well, I mean, his uh, ascension through the organization is pretty amazing. And uh, to think from where he came also, uh, you know, the, he, his trade tree goes back to Tim Beckham, who is, oh, wow, I mean, right. to put it blunt, a failed number one pick sure. for the race uh, in 08. That was the one thing that didn't go well in 08 for the race is that they still had the number one pick and they ended up having Beckham, which didn't really work out. They traded Beckham to the Orioles to get a pitcher with the name of Tobias Myers. And then Myers is traded to Cleveland to get Camonero. Uh Those trade trees, by the way, are fascinating when you look back on those. Uh, you never know what they are in the moment, but when you look back on them, they can be fascinating. And so there is a link there. But uh, I, I would agree with you. I would find it hard-pressed to believe that Caminero is going to start the year in the big leagues. Then again, I didn't think he'd be in the big leagues at all last year. It's so true. Rays don't normally jump guys from double-A to the bigs, especially as position players. That just doesn't that just doesn't happen. But uh, obviously, he is a major, major uh, player moving forward for the Rays potentially a superstar and they certainly could use it so he's in the mix but I don't think you'll see him along the first baseline on opening day 
you made you mentioned a, a guy in, in Jonathan Aranda. We've we've seen him up and down, and and then another player that's going to be counted on. I think uh, that that has I think a bright future is Curtis Mead. Can you tell me sort of how you see them fitting into this this puzzle? You know, I, I thought Mark Topkin, our our buddy with the Times, wrote a really good article comparing their philosophy right now uh, to what they did in 2019 when Mm -hmm. lanes had to be created for young players. There are some players coming through the system that they just need opportunities to play. And and I think it's gotten to the point in particular with Aranda where there's nothing left to prove. There might even be nothing left to learn against AAA pitching. Uh, He's, he's just completely dominated the highest levels of the minor leagues offensively. Uh, you know, he's not a great defensive player. He's, he's a, hopefully an adequate defensive player, but uh, he could be a really, really tremendous bat for the Rays. In the big leagues, he hasn't got regular playing time, uh, and it's time. It's just time to create that lane in the way that they did with uh, Austin Meadows or the way they did for, I don't know, B.J. Upton all those years ago. I mean, you you have to get the guy on the field when there's just nothing left to learn in the minor leagues. So, to me, Aranda's going to get a chance, and I'm telling you, Rick, last year, even at Aranda's worst, and he was struggling at, at various times, Kevin Cash would say to me on the bench every day, he goes, he's going to hit in the big leagues. It might take some time, but I promise you, Aranda is going to hit in the big leagues. And look, you have to trust your, your organization that uh, everyone says he's ready to be here, so he's probably ready to be here. The Rays have a pretty darn good track record. My question about Meade, uh, it's not his want to. He seems to have a, a great desire to be a really good player in the big leagues. I'm not quite sure where he fits. Uh, I, he might be DH. Would he back up uh, Paredes at third sometimes? Could he back up Caballero at short? Um, I don't know if they could put him in the outfield at all. Could he play some first base on certain days, DH? So I'm not quite sure. That's going to be one of my first questions to Kevin Cash when I see him in a couple of weeks, is it, how does Meade fit in? I, I, the answer will probably be we'll find ways to get him at bats. But uh, the Rays are great at doing that. Maybe they can have him at second base against you know left-handers if Lau doesn't uh, if Lau's not in there against a tough lefty one day. So I think they're going to spread him around and want to get his bat in there because at some point you just have to learn how to hit big league pitching when you've accomplished everything that you can at the AAA level. Yeah, and and listen, I mean. One guy that that proved at least in a short uh, sample size that he was hitting big league pitching and 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 look when you talk about you know catching it's such an important part right but Rene Pinto uh, showed some show some stuff and I'm excited to see what he would what he'll do throughout you know in, in the entire season if he's able to stay healthy and and be their be their catcher. Well, we're going to get the chance. I mean, it's his position now, and there yeah. really isn't a close backup behind him you know the Rays right. have had a job share at catcher for for a long time I mean it, even if you go back to Deanna Navarro while well, he had Sean Riggins there behind him and you know, DeFelice earlier in the year and even some of the early devilry there, there's usually in this day and age there isn't one catcher you know there there aren't catchers that catch 130 140 games anymore it just doesn't happen so you're going to need a backup whether it's Alex Jackson or if someone else steps forward I'm not sure but this is Pinto's opportunity um so the defense always comes first with catchers. I think mm-hmm. you need Joe Madden used to have a phrase. I don't think he came up with it, but he used to have a phrase said we need a championship catcher. Mm-hmm. Um, so to me, the fact that they would 
have Pinto up here in that role tells me that they believe him in him and they're going to find out one way or the other whether he can handle it, whether he's a backup or whether he's a lead catcher. For the time, he's going to be the lead catcher. And uh, I'm always a little bit scared of of the catching position because as the saying goes, you're only one foul tip away from needing another one. I remember, oh, what year was it? Was it 21 or my – it's funny, Rick, how the years flow together. There was a point where the Rays, I think by May – I think it was 19, had gone through six catchers by May because everybody got hurt. Mejia got hurt. Um, Zanino got hurt. And that's when they had to go out and find Travis Darno, and it ended up working. But that's right. They had Eric Kratz in there at the end of his career. They had Anthony Benboom in there for a short time. <laughs> uh, so, you know, you need some sort of redundancy at the catching position. But this is Pinto's time, uh, and they, they feel very good about him. I know he's worked very hard to get better defensively. Um, and they wouldn't turn the reins over to him at such an important position if they didn't think that he could handle it. So we'll we'll find out. Part two of our conversation with Ray's play-by-play man Andy Freed coming up tomorrow. The Bucks getting closer, perhaps, to signing an offensive coordinator and selecting one anyway. Uh, this should be interesting. They've got Jake Peets, who is the Rams passing game specialist in town. He will interview today. Uh, so we'll see how close they are to uh, maybe reaching a decision. You got the Pro Bowl over in Orlando. Those festivities starting this weekend on Friday. They'll have practice, some media availability. Of course, uh, Baker Mayfield and Tristan Wirfs over there. Mike Evans withdrew because of a of an injury. Um, so we'll have an opportunity maybe to to uh, chat with one of those guys and find out what's going on for the weekend as the uh, Pro Bowl takes place at uh, Camping World Stadium. So thanks for listening. For Steve Burstick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.